0: cave, which meant deep in the earth. There was everything, wind, water, fire, faraway places, the dead, thunder, pain, paths, animals, light, the unborn. They were there in the rock to be called to. The famous imprints of life-size hands, these hands are there, stenciled in ochre, to touch and mark the everything present and the ultimate frontier of the space this presence inhabits. Thank you for joining us, John Berger, for that stirring introduction.
1: You can go now, John.
0: (laughs) He floats away. Kindly leave. (laughs) (laughs) He's just a ghost roaming, (laughs) looking for a podcast to get guests on. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that comes from uh, one of our beloved uh, patron saints of this podcast, John Berger.
1: He's like, "Uh, do you guys just talk about evangelicals or (laughs) it's an art thing?
0: we're getting back on track john don't don't <laughs> worry we know we know what the spirit of this podcast how it began and we're trying to kind of get back there um yeah after a couple of uh christian shit episodes we're here we're here to uh kind of take it back 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 way before before any of that nonsense started um to the caves before any art any in, religion
1: in the beginning as you as you're trying to say there mm-hmm. was
0: there were caves. Yep. Caves. Um, there were animals. Bison. There was sex. There was porn in these both caves. Uh,
1: flaccid and erect penises.
0: <laughs> All things you can find on the walls of uh, the cave paintings that we'll be discussing today.
1: Yeah, or uh, grab a notebook, spiral notebook from any middle school boy, and <laughs> find some commonalities.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, which, which is uh. G- grounding in a way, yeah. To know that middle school boys or high school boys have always probably been exactly the same. Nothing's changed. Yeah, it's important for me to remember.
1: Good news, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, at coming off of a week where I've been called a bald motherfucker, no, more more, more than once. Ugh. Um it's okay. They don't understand. They don't <laughs> get it. It's it's it. They don't know what it is. Right. The I tell I tell gene? them. You
1: y- mean the warrior gene? They don't know what that is. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, I tell them, if you believe in karma, you better buckle up. (laughs) The more you make fun of me for being bald, the more likely it is that you become bald yourself. Um, so yeah. Welcome back everybody. It's been a while. We know we've been kind of, uh, uh, off the,
1: sorry, sorry
0: off the calendar. Um, it's a busy time of year. It's arguably the busiest time of year besides maybe the month before Christmas. When it, when everyone is a glow, well, that's when the with... hustle
1: and bustle is. <laughs> that's before the. This is the hustle. Never before the hustle that. and bustle. Yeah, that never everybody that.
0: nobody remembers or thinks about. Um, the early fall hustle and bustle.
1: Yeah, Paul's out there trying to save some youths from a life of <laughs> degeneracy <laughs> and yeah. It's too late. It's too late. <laughs> yeah, and I have a new job, and uh, you know, not nearly as dramatic, but how's it going? It's fine. Yeah, it's good. I was th- thinking uh, the other day about a job, a couple jobs that I did for two and a half years, and just think, oh, my God, like, how could I do something for two and a half years? Mm-hmm. It sounds like an eternity. Um, well, at
0: this age, we've reached a point where we don't necessarily have to suffer quite as long through jobs that we don't like. Yeah. Um, we're down here in your cave, co- which is itself covered in, in art, Um
1: just really, yeah, really like horny etchings <laughs> that I've scrawled <laughs> on the wall. It's disgusting.
0: <laughs> it's gross. Let me out.
1: No, actually, I, I meant to show you something before that really got me... Okay, I guess if we haven't said it clear enough, this is Magic Camp, and this week we're talking about prehistoric art. Mm-hmm. Art uh, that's so old that we have no written record about what what were you doing? What is this for? What does this mean? Which is what makes it so incredible. Back in my day, I'm pretty sure they called it primitive art, but mm. uh I I don't think that flies anymore. Um but you could also N- call it cave cave art. Um
0: yeah, nor should it. This isn't just some PC correction because you look at these paintings, they're as Berger would probably say they're anything but primitive. Yes. Right? They're they show the level of sophistication that one could find in a um in a in a one of our, you know, The upper echelons of art today, such as Marvel or Pixar.
1: Yeah, exactly. As Picasso said, anything beyond that cave art is decadence.
0: Mm, That is a great quote. Mm -hmm. That is a great line.
1: Yeah. But for real, like, I've uh, just in my own, like, drawing and and painting and stuff, and I've been doing landscape stuff for a while because uh, aspects I enjoy of it, but anything like that, any, any genre, any of the established, like this is serious art type of thing, fine arts. I personally always get to the point where it's like, what the, f- what is the point of this? Mm-hmm. What, I don't know what, what I'm doing. Like why, why, why would I do this? This is so odd. Um, and it, it just seems like just empty convention and had gotten to a point where I was doing some some scribblings, literally drawing with, um, like, you can buy India ink, which is just black, super black ink, and they come with a dropper, right? A little eyedropper, drawing with that. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, felt like the most exciting and pure thing I'd done in a long time, just dealing with line. It, um, And so it got me thinking a lot about prehistoric art and how much is understood there, how it r- touches the bone of Existence and perception, especially at like a physical survival level, of needing to understand your world through line, because line is like. Sorry, I'm I'm jumping right into this. Mm-hmm. Is the way you really perceive the intention of all these alien objects around around you? Are you a tiger poised to kill me, or a saber tooth tiger? Are you a tree, like jutting up to the sky to capture the sunlight, like? line is so much how you perceive the actual essence and intention of the other do you sure. know what i mean yeah absolutely Versus the way that like color can often be farce or camouflage mm-hmm. right it's just kind of supplemental or it can be a lie anyways that's abstract but all that to say i just find it to be a really immediate um the most immediate uh element in visual art and it's re- it's really interesting to just be dealing at that level a lot of the, a lot of stuff we'll talk about is just line it's just black lines on a cave wall
0: right so what you're saying is if you're if you're feeling upset if you're feeling a little uninspired go back to the cave yes go to the cave find your cave
1: absolutely which is a <laughs> literal cave if you're
0: <laughs> nearby any literal caves go there yep mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a fascinating uh thing that there's surprisingly little written about um, probably because there's not much that can be um, concluded based on it right. there's not there's not a lot of uh, sensational revelations that can be gathered based on the based on these th- hundreds if not thousands of different caves that have been discovered in the last probably 200 years or so I, I would I think probably around the early 1900s is when they started to kind of pop up with, you know, modern paleontology, whatever you want to, archaeology, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just being discovered on every continent in the world with the, besides Antarctica. Mm-hmm. K, prehistoric cave art has been discovered on every continent in the world besides Antarctica. I found that really interesting.
1: Yeah. And it keeps getting older and older mm-hmm. for the dating of it. Right. So uh, some of the stuff we'll be talking about. And the things you may have seen, so like the Chauvet or the Lascaux or Lascaux mm-hmm. cave paintings, I think those are, let me see here,
0: 30,000, I think. That's, I think the Chauvet is 30,000 yeah. and the La- Lascaux is maybe 18,000, something like that.
1: It's something like that. But um, there are other things, especially I think the ones in Australia that are, they're putting in like 30,000. More than that. Yeah. yeah I think 30, 000, they, I think 50, they go, go as far back as
0: 75, maybe 76, 77,
1: <laughs> even 78,000 years old. Could go on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's what we're talking about. And of course, then there's also like um, a whole addition of like sculptural or decorative art. Um, I think of all like the little carvings of little like fertility women. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think today we we'll, we both have in mind more of the cave drawings and cave paintings mm-hmm. as what we're talking about, but it's all sort of in the same, same vein. Um, so super, super, super old, obviously a lot older than any written texts that we have. Um, yeah. And it's just continually shocking to historians to see how far and widespread these things were or far back in time and widespread geographically they were. Um, and, in terms of what's it all about we can get into like some I guess some of the leading like ways of talking about this I've seen a few um, but the general consensus is ultimately can't really no one can say definitively what these things mean what they're about because they're prehistory like there's no the the artists or the communities can't speak for themselves it's it's all speculation pretty mm-hmm. much right um, but there's a lot of themes there that people tend to revolve around that we'll get into of do these have religious purposes um, Are they ex- or are they expressing this something about um, the state of the communities or yeah the state of human social development and
0: by religious purposes I'm assuming you mean that they point us to the reality that is yeah. Jesus Christ our Lord they, and Savior they point right 40,000 years before he <laughs> arrived
1: yep yeah exactly that's exactly what I mean Whenever you see a lion, just remember, that one's Jesus. So, <laughs> <laughs> on the, the
0: lion. Oh, my gosh. They knew. <laughs> they knew.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that's sort of uh, – we've been wanting to do this one, and then, it, like I said, there's a couple of things that got me interested in it all of a sudden. Um, but also, I, I had somewhat recently read a really great book um, or a novel, a novel um, that's sort of like taking on uh, – the mindset of someone who might have lived in this time and uh, painted some of these cave paintings by Kim Stanley Robinson called Shaman. That's a really excellent. um, Yeah, so I was thinking about those, those things and especially the big themes of what do these things say about human development and community and the purposes possibly, like I think the jury's out in terms of are these really magical, spiritual sort of things? Are they supposed to be ritualistic and shamanic? I think the scholarship is like divided about that mm-hmm. because again, you can't say right. So even though a lot of the leading theories might right go that way, the, you just how, can't
0: however, say. there there are some from from my very limited research that I've done some conclusions that can be made that point in the direction that they are more than just sort of. Um, literal geographical sort of record in a way like the way that the animals that were depicted in these in these paintings or these etchings whatever you want to call them um you know they'd be these large bovine creatures buffalo all sorts of stuff that doesn't even exist anymore that is extinct that uh anthropologists and and archaeologists have determined are not the animals that were necessarily being preyed upon or or that these people were hunting. Mm-hmm. so it wasn't simply this is the animal we hunt and we want to catch this this right. animal and we we think yeah. you know that that we're just sort of representing exactly what we see, but there's some there's some uh, veneration of the creature, yeah like the this idea that um, the people who are drawing and painting these things were imparting them with a level of reverence mm-hmm. that was not simply literal because it wasn't it wasn't consistent with the the literal landscape right. that that they were in
1: right right yeah so like it's not just merely a a point of hey we we hunt bison here's a record of how we right. do it mm-hmm. you know for the next generation and it's also not just uh, I I kinda feel like, you know, drawing something, I'm just gonna scribble this down like I'm scribbling in my notebook. Which one, makes yeah, yeah, go ahead. One of the things that I think illustrates that most clearly is that especially in what we're talking about in thousands of different <laughs> cases, um these drawings were done in un- <laughs> like deep in the core of the earth. Mm-hmm. They're in these caves that people had to crawl on their bellies into with like with a little ember and then go light light a fire in there and then paint and so they clearly have like intention incredibly impractical it Mm -hmm. clearly has probably some sort of like important ritualistic aspect to it that Mm -hmm. it's worthwhile to create this environment and go into this intense
0: and they knew that these caves were the only place that would be protected from the elements as well right that if they put them in the walls They wouldn't simply be washed away or blown away um, in in a year or a hundred years, Mm -hmm. which which I think the carbon dating suggests that there's multiple iterations of these paintings that Mm -hmm. occur throughout over the course of decades, if not centuries, that that one person would go in and, you know, paint a big, you know, sexy bull, right? Who's like kind of a... fertility figure but also a you know something that represents the sort of like brutish like uh terrifying nature of of yeah. nature that 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 everybody was that they were living in um they were so into that they were so it's like <laughs> get over it um and they would do it again and again and again and people would uh replicate or cha-
1: or slightly adjust these these right. depictions and I'm hitting myself going guys none of you signed this work so you're never going to get get g- <laughs> come on yeah exactly stupid and I'm I'm a bit of a, you know I I consider myself a coach to artists so <laughs> um I have like a, a seven-part seminar and a book <laughs> and I just want to help artists make make a living from their art and you can do that through Instagram and YouTube these days nowadays with social media it's, it's amazingly it. easy. Yeah. It's amazingly easy. In fact, you can just write your name on stuff you didn't even do. Absolutely. Um, like
0: if, if you're ever walking around a city and you see some like a mural or something that hasn't been tagged, just write your name. Yeah. You never know what's going to go viral.
1: If you've ever seen a cartoon character, you put a like a blunt in it in your <laughs> mouth or um, put like a Glock in their hand.
0: And and you move their eyes a, like an inch apart from mm-hmm. from what they are in the actual cartoon, so yeah, that it isn't like blood copyright blood infringement.
1: Shot. Yeah, um, I would recommend you do that, and mm-hmm. I I don't think Disney will mind. I really don't. No, they're not. They're chill. They're very chill. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, they they didn't understand that these guys. They're just fucking idiots, <laughs> basically, when it comes to like entrepreneurship, which is which is yes, li- like you said, that's kind of one of my mini skills. <laughs> um, that they didn't know to, to like, to gram it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'll read this passage from Shaman by Kim Stanley Robinson, normally a sci-fi writer, but this is a novel that takes place in the Ice Age, and the protagonist is a young guy who lives in a, a tribe of, like, 50, I, I think, and they're, like, a nomadic tribe, and he's sort of training to... To replace the shaman Um, and the shaman in this case is the person who does the cave art and the novel is really brilliant because it's just a story of like a human life um, and trying to survive for the sake of living another day Um, so a lot of it is just about like getting hungry in the winter and being able to cross the river when it thaws and stuff like this it's it's really really good Um, and what Kim Stanley Robinson is driving at is like that core um essential human experience um and towards the end of the novel is this culminating scene where he his shaman has passed on so he's sort of taking up the mantle he's been watching him for years do cave paintings and learning techniques from him um I know this is just all these males uh very him 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 um and these ancient tribes were very problematic. Were there any way.
0: shamanesses that
1: you can read about? Well, actually the one the lady in that is more of the like witch doctor, I think. Is that bad? Well, never mind. Is that bad? Um Um and anyways, it's a beautiful passage. It's it's very long. It's like a whole chapter of him doing this cave painting and he really captures the drama of it, but I'm just gonna give a few pictures of it to try and get get at it, but I, it won't do it justice. He closed his eyes, watched colors flow and spark there on the inside of his eyelids. He saw the horse at sunset rearing on the ridge across the valley. He recalled the way it had felt there at the end of his wander when he had scraped raw, <coughs> when the horse had seen him and then reared, and suddenly in the sunset light, it had become clear that everything meant something he could not catch, something so big that it couldn't be said, couldn't be felt something big that they were all caught up in together. It had taken his breath away then, and it did again as he remembered it. Make that horse. Stump it until it was the black, inside black. Show the rearing up, that moment when the sight of it had transfixed Loon, which is him, standing there in the next ridge over. He stood and started painting again. Start from the top and work down. Make a sequence of heads that would show that, that the rearing in the sunset, like what Thorne had done, with the lions, but different, he used his hand to measure. There was room for four heads. He started to draw the top head, first the forehead, as in the three liner, down the long nose to the nostril, and the little curve of the mouth. Then pause. The second head would need to fill the space below. He took the stick and pressed hard against the wall, stumping the charcoal off as si- as thickly as he could, carefully up and down, up and down. The curve of the rearing mane. Pressed lighter as he drew. Drew the back, behind the mane. Good. Then the eye, looking across the valley at Loon. Not a friendly look. He stumped and smudged black all over the inside of the line, darkening the forehead, the cheek. He took up the burn, then scraped a little around the eye to make a white surround for it. He saw that he could scrape around the head, too, whitening the wall to make the head stand out even more than it already did. Slowly, carefully, he scraped tiny bits of rock away from the wall had to be perfect line, making the perfect contrast of white and black. The head would seem to emerge from the wall because indeed it did. And it goes on for a while. That scene actually ends with his lamp going out and he's trapped in this pitch black cave. And he's eventually saved by some friends. But um, it brings home like the the physical drama and like the actual stakes that were there to to create that art uh, and the personal risk but I I especially love I mean I (coughs) obviously we can't know what was actually happening but to me it's incredible incredibly believable the way he paints it of wanting having a feeling and wanting to capture it you know and Mm -hmm. represent it and I like how much time he spends on the technique Mm -hmm. of being able to perform this magic and throughout the book there's a lot of reverence for the older shaman who can do these things and make these lines that just look look real and present something and or represent something um, anyways great book
0: so what you're saying is Jack Donaghy was right we already know what art is <laughs> it's paintings of horses
1: <clears throat> absolutely
0: but the difference the crucial difference there in the joke that's being made in that episode of 30 Rock of course would be about like late renaissance if not later than that like baroque Mm -hmm. paintings of people's property yeah you know like the horse as a representation of like the property of an individual human being as opposed to this uncontainable just natural force that was a a, a, an occurrence that you would experience in, out in the world, you know, um, or a creature that you would encounter out, in, out in the world, which is still how a horse is. Yeah. You know, like that's the amazing thing is like, right. We can still, art can still function in the same way that it did 50,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. But the, we have heaped so many different Um, sort of barriers upon it. Yeah, that prevent us from that sort of simple simple exchange. Mm -hmm. That's that you've described there in that
1: passage. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, it can be very humbling to think about how stupid we are. (laughs) Right. How stupid we've become. How Um, stupid we've become.
0: So there's this excellent article in Baffler by Barbara Ehrenreich called The Humanoid Stain that I would recommend anybody read if they're finding themselves, their interest piqued by this particular topic. Um, and she kind of starts off by talking about how the Lascaux Caves, or the Lascaux Cave paintings, were first discovered in the 1940s mm-hmm. by four, like, little kids who were out playing in the woods, Yeah, it's basically Stand By Me. That is exactly yeah. what I was going to say. It's basically Stand by, by Me, but if instead of a dead body and... Like a young Kiefer Sutherland, um, they found the most magnificent, like, sort of uh, artifact of human human progress and thought
1: ever. The weirdest thing is that one of the kids who found the paintings had a leech on his pecker,
0: (laughs) (laughs) and they're all smoking smoking cigs the whole time. Yeah. So, oh man, the leech on the on the dick—that's a haunting image. Yeah, more haunting than these cave paintings, honestly. (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um.
1: Uh, who it, Who? Who directed that?
0: Um. Who directed?
1: Oh, it's uh. Shit. It's uh. Robert Reiner. Yeah. Yeah. Too <sighs> bad about him. He. Yeah. I feel like he, he just went downhill. Spinal Tap. I know that Spinal Tap, and then.
0: He, I I don't know the
1: rest. I, don't know. I yeah, mean, Harry Met Sally. Have you seen that?
0: No. Um. Also, Stand by Me is a Stephen King novel right um okay go on those are all things maybe we can touch on another time but so they found this cave um there's a a couple of cool little excerpts about how it um you know it was for a little while an actual public public park that you could come and look like anybody could come and see the caves right so so people were coming from all over the place picasso jackson pollock Um, They say in this article, he credited the Paleolithic artists with inspiring modern art, and to a certain degree they did. Jackson Pollock honored them by leaving handprints along the top edge of at least two of his paintings after he, like, pissed and, like, barfed whiskey on (laughs) them also. (laughs) I'd
1: love to ask him about that. What were you thinking with those handprints? Yeah. Yeah. What, <laughs> what handprints? Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Pablo Picasso reportedly visited the famous Altamira cave before fleeing Spain in 1934 and emerged saying, "Beyond Altamira, all is decadence," as Ben said before, um, which ca- kind of really does throw a pretty flattering light on modern art and like, yeah, if you think about it oh, in yeah. terms of this like sort of time capsule that was encountered and it then at, at, and could maybe be viewed as sort of like washing away 500 if not a 1,000 to 2,000 years of like painterly bullshit yes. that occurred before it.
1: No, absolutely. I mean Picasso and, and Cubism, they really do seem like such more of a rupture mm-hmm. with the convention and the direction of art up to that point so much more than like the Impressionists or the sure. Post-Impressionist. Right.
0: Or the Renaissance or who, whoever. Exactly.
1: Like, like the, he really did right. go in and fuck that shit up. Yeah. And, I mean, I even just like I was saying about line and just like completely wiping away this whole deal of like, we're going to trick your eyes with shapes of color that look like the shapes of color you see outside. Stupid, you know, stupid, who cares? What's the point? That's mm-hmm. what I see Picasso is saying. Right. Whereas what I can do with a simple line that hits your brain in a spot mm-hmm. that is like deep, is pr- primitive, deeply primitive, primal. Right? It hits you in this, in this like hominoid, right? It hits your lizard brain, yeah. like
0: like I, I see. I want to see myself seeing
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. And even even too going back to what I was talking about of like kind of just these really simple drawing techniques. Um, it's so much more of like I don't have a plan. I I don't have a message, but. I do these things and I'm reacting to them like it impacts me as I discover them, which is, I mean, as I go on, like makes me appreciate Pollock more of like, actually, I get it. Mm-hmm. Like the, I do get it where you're, you, we can't, we can't know what we're set out, setting out to do. And like any artist who thinks they know what they're doing is full of shit. Right. And what Pollock is doing is sort of like opening himself up to the experiment to be impacted by the things he sees that that come off his hand mm-hmm. go on mm-hmm.
0: so there's a few more things but i do want to read this one little snippet that i thought was really beautiful just just as an anecdote there's these same four boys who discovered this in france one of them was jewish and there's there's a really cool little passage here uh so he was he was taken to the camps right this kid with his family wow and then it says miraculously He was rescued by the French Red Cross, emerging from captivity as perhaps the only person on earth who had witnessed both the hellscape of 20th century fascism and the artistic remnants of the Paleolithic age. Mm. As we know from the archaeological record, the latter was a time of relative peace among humans meaning the paleolithic age. Mm-hmm. No doubt there were homicides and tensions between and within human bands, but it would be at least another 10,000 years before the invention of war as an organized collected activity, collective activity. The cave art suggests that humans once had better ways to spend their time. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Yep. Um and it, and it gets into kind of what was depicted in the different cave art or cave art um what was kind of the focus? One thing being megafauna, right? Oh, um, like mega, hell wh- yeah! Me- which I think if if I uh start a band, we might be called the me- mega megafauna. That's good. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. um Megafauna being just like giant mammals, right? Hell yeah! G- big ass cows, <laughs> giant ass pigs. Biggest cow you've ever seen. Right. Biggest biggest cow you've ever seen. Look at that um, pig. Oh, damn, damn, look, damn, damn look, look at that at big at old that pig. pig. <laughs> wow. uh, hooey, that's a big old pig. Oh God. Which we still love. A, <laughs> we still love a big I old tell pig, you what, don't
1: there's we? A, there's a little museum here in town with a. a, a tw- oh, oh God, what would that be? Yeah, I guess 19th Century Farm on it. Mm-hmm. They have the biggest pig you've ever seen there. <laughs> it is so cool. <laughs>
0: biggest pig I've
1: ever seen, Iowa State Fair. I, I'd go back. Just In a heartbeat, about, just yeah. to see,
0: just to see, it—it it, it was a cow. Sorry, oh, it, it was a giant fucking cow.
1: Okay, that's different. That's it, or what's it the so pin? intimidating? The what well, was it laying down i can't remember no it was a pig it is, was a pig the pigs are usually laying down they're
0: usually laying down they can we can't hold themselves up and and wallowing. when you see when you see them <laughs> laying there wallowing about you understand how we could project uh yeah. divine qualities onto them <laughs> <laughs> here's the lazy yeah. and god who rules our universe never
1: eat that that is a holy <laughs> be- that is a holy so- being yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, no, you can understand why cows are considered holy. Like yeah. they're sort of um, just at, they're at peace with the world. Yeah. Um, there was porn, right? That m- a lot of these caves uh, or a lot of these paintings depicted copulation in certain ways, or or um, you know erect phalluses. That that whole thing kind of also wow wow. Exactly my favorite
1: uh and the whole the my whole uh table at middle school lunch is just dying laughing <laughs> when i say that
0: yeah that i'm glad we we've moved on from about <laughs> chicka wow wow yeah um so all of these things this person kind of puts forth the thesis that in addition to this idea about shamanism and sort of religious uh Symbolism that that is not necessarily a scholarly consensus, but is right. the direction that most people sort of lean is a more sort of uh, soci sociological like um like humans sort of putting themselves in their own place mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. that right making these paintings and depicting these scenes of like a tiny little stick-figured bullshit-looking twig man sort of dwarfed by a giant pig yeah. was a way of reinforcing or reiterating this idea that, like, the individual human is not important, mm-hmm. right? This may be a reach. I don't know. But that that was reflected in the societies themselves. There was no... There was no such thing as a, a leader, or like a powerful person. Mm-hmm. There were they were all powerless, except for their power together. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. They survived by their ability to work together, which the paintings themselves were collaborative efforts as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, you know, done probably by a small g- group of like shaman or like seer type people in the community but nevertheless like communal acts which is represented by the fact that there's multiple iterations of these things done yeah right over the years um so this idea that these paintings were representation a representation of that of of like here's how we remember who we are which which is not the god like the image of God, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> like yeah. to to flip that concept on its head. Yeah, is like the image of God is is like would be us as little one little part of this giant thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, the concept of God, if it, if it even existed at the time, would have been the pig, or like the pig and the cow and yeah, the, right. Everything else that was
1: that scary rock yeah Yeah, that big
0: scary rock that like the the bird flies down from and like takes your baby in the morning
1: right it is interesting that um well i'm talking out of my ass here but it just seems to be the form follows the content in that these written pre pre pre-verbal not that they're like pre-verbal but pre uh what do you call it written mhm um things were so pantheistic or panentheistic or whatever and that it takes a written language to really create uh theism <laughs> you know yeah it takes logos to create god right versus the visual is seems to be more inherently sure pantheist
0: i think it is in the verger essay where he uses the word logos a little bit differently is that
1: right i don't know oh yeah yeah i yeah, mean yeah, yeah. he he uses it hook me up c- with that dog um he uses it <laughs> yo pass me that burger.
0: <laughs> that's what all the kids are saying these days <laughs> pass me that berger
1: so i can dab on it <laughs>
0: <laughs> um the logos not as uh like intellect or enshrined uh, ideology in language yeah but as embodied like time space lived reality mm-hmm right True. you see what I mean yeah yeah um which, which I think can sometimes if depending on how people use that word that could that could be an, an interpretation of,
1: of yeah yeah logos no there actually is a lot of room <laughs> mm-hmm Within that, language, well, he but. he
0: goes on to go further with that that like when he because he got to go to these caves, which right. is so tight. Come on, Berger. He, he was. I mean, he I was, think he they're was still a letting pimp. like
1: Jerry Saltz in there, like kind <laughs> of. Wait, did they? Let, did they let him in? <laughs> I think so. Like, you dick.
0: Yeah. It, he it takes an Instagram. He takes a selfie in front of it. <laughs> no, so he 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 also describes it as this like the darkness from which we all came. Yeah, yeah. He says that's what you see in the caves. Mm -hmm. The darkness from which we emerge and animals emerge from. Right. You're reminded
1: of that. Yeah, I think. Like the
0: oneness of of creation, of being, of all these things.
1: I think there I don't know if I read that part of the passage in Shaman where uh he's he's working like this black into the stone Mm -hmm. and he can't even tell his hand from the stone it's like he's he's actually moving the stone around and that yeah he feels as if he's coming out of the rock because he he has come out of the rock like they're these are special places because that's where we all came from
0: mm-hmm. right so um go
1: on with this uh, essay though because it is yeah, there, there's, it is a, a, really there's good.
0: a bunch of great stuff and i'm trying to p- to find all the best little snatches here um so the movement of bands of people across the landscape led to the apparent movement of animals on the cave walls as humans painted over older artwork moved on and painted again over tens of thousands of years cave art or in the absence of caves rock art became a global meme "...such spaces inevitably suggest rituals, making the decorated cave a kind of cathedral within which humans communed with a higher power. Visual art may have been only one part of the uplifting spectacle. Recently, much attention has been paid to the acoustic properties of decorated caves and how they may have generated awe-inspiring reverberant sounds. Mm -hmm. People sang, chanted, or drummed, stared at the lifelike animals around them, and perhaps got high." The cave has an ideal venue for a rave. <laughs> or maybe they took, say, psychedelic, psychedelic mushrooms they found growing wild and then painted the animals, a possibility suggested by a few modern reports from San people in southern Africa who danced themselves into a trance before getting down to work. Um, so just kind of speculating on, like, what could have gone down on the, in these caves, um, which was which was a lot. Um it's 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 fascinating stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you're a kid, all you really want is to find a cave, you know? Wouldn't that be so cool? Totally. To find a cave, mm-hmm. to find a secret little place, a little special place where you can go wild and, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Tom Sawyer. That entire last 50
1: pages of Tom Sawyer, it's in a cave. Is it? Mm-hmm. Didn't get to the last it's, 50 pages. It's super boring. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thought um, I was on a raft. Damn, that's
0: Huckleberry Finn.
1: Ah, oh, thought it was the raft one.
0: No, no. Um, I, and I'm trying to find this little this little passage here where it talks about faces. How how it wasn't until the Paleolithic period yeah. gave way to the Neolithic period that faces began to appear. Right. Right. And that that is n- so amazing. No. No. Nobody was interested in depicting a depicting self. Right. There was no urge to depict a self mm-hmm. until the dawn of capital. Yeah. Or of, of, not capital as we understand it, but of, of property, of wealth, or of um, hierarchy. Yeah. Because these were nomadic societies which did not, which... There wasn't, there were no hierarchies as far in the way that we would understand. them, Right.
1: Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll like speak to that while you find the perfect little nugget. But um, I, what I took most from that is like, yeah, you have these cave paintings where it's, it's all about the animals. Most of all, it's about these gorgeous lions or bison or whatever. But then you might have these little humanoid shapes, little stick figures Maybe they've got a little boner, um, mm-hmm. but for the most part, there's nothing to them, and it, it is so striking that there's no faces. Um, whereas today in art, like it, the human face is what we sort of think of as the height of gravitas, mm-hmm. like that this is a serious, this is a serious painting. Yeah, that that the portrait is like the most reverent right form, and I think. Um, in the collection of Berger essays, the second one is on the f- uh, Fayum portrait uh, painters right which are uh, caskets right right they're te- depicting the dead mm-hmm. which is seems to be a very natural place to do that mm-hmm. like and a natural evolution and then you think about like a thousand years of, of painting patrons basically of like, here's the rich guy in town who we're going to paint next to Jesus to make sure that he's in heaven with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on through, you know, the more Renaissance and modern sensibilities that we're talking about that are all completely anthropocentric.
0: Right. That's exactly what this writer says here that going off this idea of the, the Neolithic revolution which is the essentially the transition from nomadic societies to, uh, sort of rooted, rooted communities, yeah, uh, that are villages essentially, is which develop uh, p- the idea of property of class of hierarchy of right. of uh resource you know like right. they control put, of resources they're
1: staying put in one place, they're growing food, and collecting people around more of a one geographical center and so you have the emergence of governments and agriculture class and these are the people who are going to grow stuff these are the people who are going to govern Mm -hmm. these are the people who are going to be our priests who tell us what to do and think right kind of thing
0: yeah so one one historian or person puts it as the neo-revolution Neolithic revolution was, quote, the worst mistake in the history of the human race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a- and then this writer goes on to say, at least it gave us faces. Starting with the implacable mother goddesses of the Neolithic Middle East and moving on to the sudden p- proliferation of kings and heroes in the Bronze Age, the emergence of human faces seems to mark a ca- character. The fuck I've never seen this word characterological change from solidaristic ethos of small migrating bands to what we now know as narcissism kings and occasionally their consorts were the first to enjoy the new marks of personal superiority crowns jewelry masses of slaves and the arrogance that went along with these things. Over the centuries, narcissism spread downward to the bourgeoisie, who in 17th century Europe were beginning to write memoirs and commission their own portraits.
1: Oh, damn. (laughs) In our own time, anyone
0: who can afford a smartphone can propagate their own image, publish their most fleeting thoughts on social media, and burnish their unique brand. Narcissism has been democratized and is available, at least in crumb-sized morsels to us all. So, you know, I Sort of some semi-obvious conclusion aside, there the idea that that moving from a sort of uh, I don't even know how to describe it, moving from what we've described in the cave paintings, which is sort of a like a reverent depiction of of the physical world, which decenters the human because this, the human is not at the center of the universe or at the right. center of the world. Into a depiction of of the world as oriented around humans Mm -hmm. is a steady leads to a steady sort of increase of focus on the individual and focus on depiction of of human beings, Mm -hmm. which probably culminates in the Renaissance or or the late Renaissance for sure. You know, or, yeah. or even up to now, yeah, absolutely. to the to the point that there's no turning back. Yes, right. Which maybe is where we bring where we can root it in the present moment and come back to this idea of of if if what these people were doing was creating symbolic languages that around which they could determine shared meaning. What do we now have that we can do that?
1: Yeah. Right. I think, yeah, so to put a pin in that and to sort of like um, sum up, I think w- the gut reaction I think for us or most people even when you see the, this prehistoric art is um, in everything we encounter in our modern lives, there is a hard circle drawn around the self of this is you. This right. is what you're about. This is your identity. Mm-hmm. This is what you value blah 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 you know Mm -hmm. what's your superpower (laughs) which 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 marvel superpower yeah superhero are you my name's ben and my superpower is i'm customer centric (laughs) and data driven (laughs) do you say that no oh god no are you kidding me i i only say that because i started a new job so you you tend to hear icebreaker things like that um this hard circle right are you a are you a data badass (laughs) no 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 a, a data rock
0: star sorry Uh,
1: yes Um, you see this hard circle drawn around the self and if not around the self at least around human beings of like this is the real deal this is the this is the shit this is what we're talking about all the time Mm -hmm. and when you go to this prehistoric art it's like those distinctions are gone Mm -hmm. it's like nobody's thinking about who you are who the artist is who the individual is people are barely thinking about what a human being is. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about all the animals and Whoa. all the cool shit out there. And yeah, at the most, if they're thinking about <laughs> human beings, it's like, you know, uh, having sex with them. Yeah, right? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> who, who can I fuck today? Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's, what's so striking about it. And we can draw a lot of that. And I guess if you're ready, where We could get into sort of debating is leaving aside of like oh was this this was done by shamans and was it a part of this religious practice and blah 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 like none of that has to be settled it doesn't really matter um i think if it's clear enough that these were definitely the output of a communal group Mm -hmm. um like humanity in a different stage that we're than we're in right now um that was focused around the community the tribe the village and uh the art as an, an expression of something they all understood and experienced that we can see sort of as if not <coughs> an instance of at least a bridge to like shared meanings yes. shared shared narratives the the, <coughs> the meta narrative eventually mythology and like and things we do associate more with religion of like we're this people's. This is what. This is where we came from. This is who we are. This is what we believe in. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And the question I think we'll eventually get to is like, comparing that with where we are now, which is complete fracture, mm-hmm. with no shared, <laughs> really, mythologies, other than your sort of micro-niche of like, uh, the Constitution rules, and we need to get back to the Constitution, or... I don't know, like uh America's steeped in sin, and whatever, right, um
0: right, yeah, so let's linger on that for a second here, and that this is something that the two texts that we selected here didn't really emphasize this quite as much but but the idea that historically and in as represented in the cave paintings, these things may be the bridge or the entry point into the idea of or not just the idea but the emergence of like you said mythology art and religion right Mm -hmm. that that like along with this you know what what is this guy calls the you know the biggest mistake in human history like this also could be the the entry point into into monotheism not just monotheism but but all sorts of different religious thought, right? Mm -hmm. Mythology and and whatnot. And that they also quote in this article um, from the book Sapiens, which is, you know, obviously a big bestseller and stuff. And I, I haven't read it, but I know there are some important ideas in there that these like emerging societies, what allowed certain ones to flourish and others to, to perish was, the ones that were successful were the ones that were able to create shared narratives mm-hmm. and to create shared symbolic associations that they could they could bond together over right, right. um or you know perhaps to, to otherize other groups right. right so that that oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah i think we're we're left with this question of like is it possible to have anything resembling This now, yeah, I mean, when is the most recent time we had it? Would be maybe a question that's like worth considering.
1: Mm. That is a good question.
0: I mean, it it was it wasn't that long ago that we did have like religious symbolism that was still meaningful to people, right? You know, like when did it start to be deconstructed? Like nineteen forty five. I think like, was it was it the World Wars I would that, probably, that started to obliterate it completely.
1: I would probably say um, it probably goes back further than that, and that the sort of religious consensus that you had in America in the late eighteen hundreds and early nineteen hundreds was a lot of mania that was trying to put the rabbit back in the hat, you know, mm-hmm. like even, even all going all the way back to the Puritans of like, shit's falling apart in Europe, but no, right over here. We're all on the same page. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's all good. We don't have to think about, think about the death of God, you know, mm-hmm. when, when we're over here, we're resetting the clock here. And in reality, everything's falling apart here too. Mm-hmm. And you have all these crazy spinoffs happening. Mm hmm. And the only only way to survive as a religious group is to like isolate, right? Wacky
0: spinoffs with with <laughs> side characters from <laughs> from Europe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I I've I've um I've got
1: some Nietzsche shit, and yeah, bring
0: out some Nietzsche shit. Okay, let's let's bring in some Nietzsche. Are you for, ready for, for that, being. really?
1: Because I I hate to do it to you, but I actually do think this is the moment where this is like. This is his big deal. Like this is really what it's all about, and this will take me a bit to get into. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other well, things you want to touch on? I, first? I
0: mean, there's there's some things that I can maybe say for after Nietzsche, but okay. Uh, no, I say I say jump right in. Go okay. for it.
1: I'll, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do it. Um. So yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not an expert in. Um, I've read *Thus Spoke Zarathustra* a lot, um, but I have no idea like what the big point of it is. I mean, it's probably very few times that I've actually like read it from front to end, and it's it's very like uh, you know poetically written. It's very uh, very much written in like short little chunks and bursts and uh, little pictures and vignettes and stuff, um, and so. I just enjoy some of the, the smaller aspects of it. You know, I like this passage. I like that passage. But I definitely don't know what the big picture is. Um, but I have been trying to figure it out, and I feel like this ty- this kind of gets to his big, big deal, big thesis um, a little bit. It's from the passage of the Thousand and One Goals. Um, I'm just going to read until I can kind of explain what I'm talking about. One neighbor never understood the other. And he's talking about people groups. His soul was always amazed at his neighbor's madness and wickedness. A table of values hangs over every people. Behold, it is the table of its overcomings. Behold, it is the voice of its will to power. What it, what it accounts as hard, it calls praiseworthy. What it accounts as indispensable and hard, it calls good. And that which re- relieves the greatest need, the rare, the hardest of all, it glorifies as Holy. I had to itch my nose with my mic hand. Whatever causes it to rule and conquer and glitter to the dread and envy of its neighbor, it accounts as the sublimest, the paramount, the evaluation, and the meaning of all things. Truly, my brother, if you only knew people's need and land and sky and neighbor, you could truly, surely divine the law of its overcomings. And why does it upon this ladder that it mounts towards its hope? Um, and then he goes through a bunch of like, different aphorisms from different cultures mm. um, that sort of capture this what each culture sh- said is its highest virtue. And that's the stuff that you probably most people probably associate with Nietzsche is he's basically just talking about moral relativism, right? So he, he starts off that whole chapter or passage by saying Zarathustra has seen many lands and many peoples. Thus he's discovered the good and evil of many peoples. Zarathustra has found no greater power on earth than than of good and evil. Um, But what he's saying is like, pick any social group, any peoples. They all have a different thing they call good, different thing they call evil. And uh, it's completely relative. And they all think their neighbors are psychos and bizarre. And all this stuff is completely relative. But what he's saying is that So, again, that's, like, what people think of Nietzsche is, like, the death of God and the death of absolute values, the death of absolute morals. And he's kind of saying this from an anthropological standpoint that, like, you go go find your tribe in the Amazon. They're going to get up to some shit that you find highly suspect Mm -hmm. and evil. And to them, it's completely normal, right? Being a modern person, you basically have to know that, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that um, there's been a thousand different societies within human society across time and across the globe, and none of us are really on the same page in terms of what's, what is good and what is evil. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm backing my way into this slowly, so interrupt me at any point. Um, but his, his main point is that... is that... <laughs> this is how these different societies are formed is by the community and maybe there are certain types of like personalities or leaders within those groups of the priestly caste or like the shamans or more of the political leaders who are the ones who really catalyze and say we are this people this is where we came from this is what we believe and this is how we're going to cohere as a group and survive in this world and those are the people that Nietzsche calls like the creators. They know that <clears throat> well, I don't know if this is historically literal, but he's saying they create these new values and it's not about it's not about anything absolute or eternal. They create these values so that their society can survive and thrive.
0: Yes. Right? And it, and it brings me it brings to mind a little bit of of um
1: You're pointing at Manet or pointing at the wine or the water?
0: Take a sip of water. You sound a little hoarse. Oh. (laughs) I'm just giving you a a chance to drink a little water. It really does bring to mind our previous episode, which is Mark Driscoll. Yeah, yeah. You know, as, like, a person who, for all his, like, stupidity and just obnoxiousness, was a person who did seem, like, fairly self-possessed in knowing that, like, he was responsible for sustaining his little tribe exactly you know and like and, and he said fuck it i'm gonna do it at what, whatever it takes and i am by no means saying that what he did was good but just that it was like it's that cynical yeah like, and, and when that is your objective is your the sustenance and the survival of your tribe that's what it takes, you know. Right. And Driscoll, unlike the people who, who were either just sort of fawning over him or c- criticizing him, did not like recognize that. Yeah. You know that that he was he was just the n- newest iteration of that. Yeah. You know that the Puritan who came to, who who came to bring the tribe or bring the, the faith in the flock into the new frontier.
1: It, that Yeah, that's a very good comparison because he is sort of saying exactly that sort of thing is the creator is basically someone who will destroy these old values and say, God damn.
0: You <laughs> sound rough.
1: <laughs> we camped outside in freezing weather. What, what the hell
0: is happening to you right now? You're self-destructing. <laughs>
1: pause take a drink of water <laughs> I'm drinking water somehow. okay I'm back campers Ricola. <laughs> <laughs> I took a cough drop uh, but I did camp outside in too cold of weather and my voice is all fucked up so I'm going to try and get through this. Ben is
0: getting COVID
1: as we speak <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pass away um <laughs> I want to get through this Nietzsche stuff so I can pose the question to you at least and let you talk about it. But what Nietzsche is talking about is throughout what we think about is human history and that for us and the way, way we frame it really means that after that Neolithic revolution, people living in hierarchy, in gathered groups with governance, class, meta narratives, Right. Mm-hmm. Um and what Nietzsche's saying is he, throughout human history you have this cycle of people creating tables of values, right? meta narratives, creating a truth for themselves so that they can cohere as a society. And he's saying it has always been creators and loving men who created good and evil. Fire and love and fire of anger glow in the names of all virtues. That it's an act of love. It's done for the survival of the group, right? And not cynically. Mm. Like, the difference between that and Driscoll mm-hmm. is Driscoll is a person living in the 21st century. Right. He's right. doing it cynically. He's mm-hmm. doing something that is patently fraudulent, right? Right. And saying, fuck it, I'm going to pretend like other people don't exist and that it makes sense for everyone to believe in a calvinist god mm-hmm. or else they go to hell right um but he's really talking not about that but of more of like this is what it really took for human beings to evolve socially and otherwise um and that it was not even individuals like he says people were the creators at first groups of people were the creators only later Were individuals, creators. Indeed, the individual himself is still the latest creation, which I love. He's saying the individual is the latest invention of society. Mm -hmm. People don't think that about Nietzsche. They think he's, you know, all about praising the individual and the will. And he's saying, no, like, that's just a recent invention. Mm -hmm. Um, But his whole point is, like, people who come in and destroy old values, create new ones, like... It's nothing new. This is what it's take for human groups to cohere over time. So my question, okay, all right. so there's that, but the big Nietzsche point is perhaps we're at a point in hev- human evolution where we have to go beyond that because and we have to surpass all that human behavior, that sort of like cyclical human evolution of we're going to create a doctrine we're going to create a meta-narrative mm-hmm. a system of good and evil a theology that is a beautiful lie basically that allows this group to exist mm-hmm. and the whole point of the zarathustra is we need to go beyond humanity we need to go beyond that cycle where we don't need a good and evil to exist mm-hmm. and it's basically your point of like That does mean, having a good and evil does mean, yay, we all love each other in this group, and this is what we value. It also means our neighbors are evil psychopaths who we must destroy. Mm -hmm. It has within itself the recipe for war and disaster and otherizing and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I think what Nietzsche's saying is, we're historically at this point now, where humanity needs to cohere as one group and have a goal beyond these little like sub societies, these sub meta narratives, these little like squabblings over good and evil, right? And cohere in a way that doesn't depend on this beautiful lie. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And that's that's my main curiosity for Or my main question for people would say, oh, we're, we're divided people. We just need to, we need new shamans. We need like, we need a new religious meaning. We need a new spiritual connection. And I really struggle with that. And I think the Nietzsche pushback is, no, if you're doing that, you're just Driscoll. Mm -hmm. You're just pretending like we can come up with some mythology that will unite everybody right and we need to find a way to have a goal and be united that doesn't depend on predications of good and evil that doesn't need a a mythology basically
0: yeah I, i mean i a couple things come to mind when you say that and one is like trepidation and trembling at what the feudal like the neo-feudal tech overlords how they would respond to that which is with the idea of transhumanism you know Mm -hmm. or the idea of a singularity like which which a lot of them really do believe Mm -hmm. that like the next frontier of humanity is in Like a dissemination of self via technology. Yeah. You know? And I don't want to believe that that's possible. I don't think it is. I think they're too stupid to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I I, I think humans are more... We need more. We need better. We won't let it happen. Yeah. If that makes sense.
1: I agree. I totally agree. I think... Yeah, I think it's unfortunate that like the whole <laughs> transhumanism idea has even come up mm-hmm. and that it really definitely does muddy the waters about it. Although there's no question that like Peter Peter Thiel or Elon Musk would say, yeah, I'm all for that. Let's transcend humanity.
0: Let's transcend good and evil and just... Right, and um, I,
1: right. I totally agree with you that it's like... Like they, they could use that as justification
0: right you know this idea that like we don't we don't need wars anymore because we have you know whatever Uh, like we're we're all just right just like serfs
1: right yeah and that's kind of the yeah that would be one rebuttal to this is like don't worry about it because we're never going to get to that point all this idea of like transcending humanity is stupid as hell and like um, all this is going to fall apart, <laughs> mm-hmm. and we will have to fall back on those old human things in order to survive.
0: Right. Well, maybe a way to like root an answer would be to because I don't have an answer. Like I, I don't, I don't have that depth of foresight. Um, you know. I mean, we go back to if you go back to Marx, like socialism would be. A fulfillment of this. Do you not agree? Mark Driscoll said that? (laughs) What? I mean, you know, I mean, socialism's right around the corner if we're not careful.
1: (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I mean, if you read Nietzsche in a certain lens, you could, or Zarathustra, you could say, this does really sound like socialism. Right. We're trying to, like, here's how he ends this passage. Hitherto there have been a thousand goals. There have been a thousand peoples. Only fetters are still lacking for these thousand necks, and one goal is still lacking. Yet tell me, my brothers, if a goal for humanity is still lacking, is there not still lacking humanity itself? And so he is really talking about that, like, we have to get past this tribal mode of humanity, which is completely fractured and balkanized, where, I mean, (laughs) Nietzsche was against like every political thing happening at the time but not least among those is like the fucking psychotic ideology of nation states Mm -hmm. and this idea that we have these eternal nations that eternally compete with each other and part of what he or at least in part what he's saying is we have to transcend these stupid yeah categories and come together for a goal for humanity I mean that does sound very socialist like that we're trying to get somewhere new as a people rather than whatever the hell you know individual nations are trying to do which is nothing you know
0: so what you're saying is (laughs) superheroes yeah what about superheroes
1: have you seen the incredibles uh that's what i'm talking about
0: yeah incredibles um, uh Captain America, Iron Man, Captain Marvel. The list goes on. These are our <laughs> shared archetypes that can transcend <laughs> our banal
1: petty squabbles. Captain America as prehistoric uh meta
0: ubermensch.
1: Ubermensch, yeah.
0: Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um no i i mean that i bring that up in part because there are people who who are out there who really do believe that the marvel cinematic universe like presents a compelling symbolic landscape (laughs) that that can create or or catalyze like meaningful change or like meaningful uh growth in society in some way you know like that that they'll compare them to greek gods you know that like oh these are our greek gods this is our mythology which if i don't think that's true i really (laughs) truly don't i i I pray that it isn't (laughs) And, and and if it is that's utterly pathetic and and a horrible harbinger of the future you know, I, I don't think it's true. I, I, I think there's simply like it raises the question also, like, is it possible to have meaningful symbols or meaningful, like symbolic, <laughs> shared symbolic meaning under capitalism? Because the only symbols that are. That that rise to enough sort of prominence and visibility that. Yeah. That are entire culture, mass monoculture. Yeah. Like those are the ones that create profit and create
1: yeah that are mostly there to profitable sell war or something right
0: um so that that to me is like it's beside the point in a way yeah um
1: but no it is um, but like that that is the
0: extent of our understanding of like what it means to create yeah shared meaning
1: right it is interesting since i was talking about nietzsche that The whole the Superman as a word comes from Nietzsche, right? Yeah, (laughs) and it's completely antithetical to the idea because what he is talking about is humanity as a group transcending itself Mm -hmm. towards some sort of common goal. The only place for the individual in Nietzsche and like in Zarathustra is like the harbingers who sort of see a little bit ahead of the time like Zarathustra who see the decay in their current social order and just are like no fuck that I'm like I'm not I'm not subscribing to this and that's really the only role for them is to sort of say be somewhat of profits of saying we can't do this anymore the system is broken for Zar- Zarathustra to come into the marketplace which is where he goes and say god is dead <laughs> you know mm. throw it in their faces but it the point is not the individual it's not to be a, a superman like the point is not to for any one super person to come save humanity mm-hmm. it's yeah it's for humanity to to go somewhere new with itself
0: save itself yeah um shit shit fuck <laughs> no I'm just I'm just like panicking Um, I'm thinking about Marvel uh, and I'm panicking oh shit (laughs) oh man Um, yeah (laughs) no I I did have this thought earlier today and you you probably will disagree um, or not disagree but like I really do think like one of the only places where we see if we're talking about going back to this idea of symbols of like Fixating on on an idea or an image and projecting meaning onto it in a way that unites people for good or for ill professional sports mm-hmm. you know like it, it is really one of I, the disagree. Only, I disagree i <laughs> disagree <laughs> um well I, I have one i have one quibble with your uh your position uh no so i mean to like i said, to good or to ill and and most more more often than not it falls under the same uh equation that that marvel does which is that what is you know un- under capitalism under a profit driven motive um all of it is all of it is compromised and ultimately like it's just bullshit but when you have enough people who project some f- kind of like moral ideological, like, importance onto this thing, this sport or this group of people or this image that is the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls. That is the Bulls. like, occasionally, by the sheer, like, organic magic that is, like, human connectivity, like, something beautiful and good can happen. And but, ninety eight percent of the time it it won't, and it's bad, and it's people throwing ketchup at each other and beating each other up outside of the United Center. You know, like I I don't know. I th- I think it's one of the few remaining things that we have that is actually like where where you can get people to like venerate and even act on behalf of something outside and beyond themselves
1: i i mean i i know i do agree because i think a lot of sports is something that only gets shoehorned into a market because there's no inherent value or there's no um exchange value there's no inherent like exchange value right in sports and someone doing cool something cool with their body mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i i was just recommending the Documentary uh hundred foot wave. Like there's no reason for that to be valuable in a market to have exchange value. Um it gets shoehorned in, you know. There's there's ways for capital to work with that through sponsorship oh, and of course. and to advertise on top of it. But it doesn't really fit. Hmm. It's one of those things that we do just for fun and for the sake of like human coherence and community, right? Organized around, like, just special people <laughs> yeah, who can do something neat, like, mm-hmm. and that's, no, I think, I, I think that it it's one of those places where things just, like, jut out from the surface a little bit. Mm-hmm. They don't totally fit. Um, right. If only we could do that with art somehow, nowadays. You think thousands of people would want to come watch me draw? <laughs> Cheering me on? <laughs> <laughs> <Woo>!
0: Oh yeah! <laughs> hey man, stranger things
1: have happened. Um, yeah. <laughs> what do you have pulled up on <laughs> your computer there?
0: What are we at time wise?
1: Uh, I don't know, cause I have to add three separate recordings. Th- there <laughs> are there are
0: some some artists who can bring together a stadium of people. To shout at the top of their lungs. And I'm going to bring a, one of those groups to your attention right I'm now. I'm
1: ready. I'm ready. <laughs> it's, it's been a minute. Let me hear this. It's empty in the
0: valley of your heart. The rises as so
1: quiet. Okay, wait. Away from all the fears and all the faults you've left behind. <laughs> No uh. in the
0: okay, so enough. I brought that up just because it's called the cave. I mean, I'm sure there are people right now who are listening to this who just had like a, a spasm of <laughs> of like they're trig- triggered much. Yeah. Um, I know I, I'm triggered by this. Uh, last episode, you had a you know, you're you did a lot of the sort of um, emotional labor of of confessing your past sins mm-hmm. w- regarding religion and stuff. And and maybe I'll take this opportunity to confess co- confess some of my own aesthetic uh, grievances in the past, which is one one here, which was a band that I fucking loved sure for a while which was mumford and sons man at you know 18 like budding sort of evangelical not really knowing that i was evangelical at that time like this stuff to me was what i under like i thought this was the most iconoclastic (laughs) um just irreverent badass punk shit you could possibly imagine you know like which goes to show how how like little framework i had whatsoever for anything at that point and there really wasn't anything to to transgress at the time um but this came to mind in part because of the name and the theme the cave uh but also because of this idea of symbols you know and symbolic language in particular and a lot of people you know at this time when Mumford and Sons came onto the scene this was you know the beginning of the sort of folk revival indie folk revival
1: which started before them oh ophelia <laughs> you've been on my mind girl since the flood <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and that is that was the um, the da- the downfall yeah that the, the end the beginning is well the pinnacle, maybe what you could say, is Mumford and Sons. Yeah, and the immediate downfall, like sheer face of the cliff, is the Lumineers.
1: And the bottom where you smack, you know, all your brains pop out, <laughs> was that Philip Phillips song. Yes, that's when I realized it was like, oh, this is an algorithm. Yeah, like right. in any person, and can. it
0: and it was kind of from the beginning. Yeah. which is the is the sobering thing about right. it all, but. I did a little digging here, and this was this reminded me a little bit of in some previous episodes when we tried to kind of scrape the internet for some of that like evangelical stuff. Was like I was just bored and and frustrated the whole time that I was doing it. I was like, why am I looking for articles about mom and sons? Right, now? <laughs> you know, like I I don't want to think about them. I don't want to talk about them. And some people may be thinking that right now as I say this. But the one thing that struck me. In going kind of tr- retracing those steps a little bit was the incoherence of interpretations mm-hmm. of a song like this or of this band. Other than that's so true. There, there was like a hundred articles that I could have that I that I found that were seizing on this quote from Mumford Marcus Mumford, the lead singer, where he said, "I'm not a I I don't consider myself a Christian." I consider myself religious uh, spiritual not religious mm. you know i believe in faith not christianity or something along those lines which was like you know a million people have said that before and it but it was like controversial and it was like this this talking point that could be worked into a million think pieces that ranged from relevant magazine all the way on to like huffington post that i found mm-hmm. which is like their lyrics are so they're so uh christian influenced yeah you know it's like how could this be this uh this like deeply christian sort of uh in enmeshed in this christian idea or or, uh, iconography Mm -hmm. they're they're not christians like how how controversial and iconoclastic yeah but now looking back at it it's just so so boring for one (laughs) but also it's it strikes me or it seems to me that like when you reread these lyrics and you see the way that these these songs are constructed is that they're 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 not steeped in christian symbol yeah or or imagery even they're steeped in christian phrases they're mm-hmm. steep, they're steeped in christian signifiers right. like in the way that we talked about with Driscoll, like that evangelical super pastor or whoever, they trade in magical phrases. Right. They trade in what though, like a phrase. Right. And the association of that phrase. Right. Triggers the, in a listener's or reader's mind.
1: Right. You know? Like in the, in the, the Philip Phillips song, which, you know, he possessed a lot less tact. Mm-hmm. The line is like, don't pay no mind. <laughs> don't pay no mind to the demons. They fill you with fear. Right. It's like you believe in demons, Philip. Yeah. Do you? No, of course of not. Of course not. Right. But saying that word and saying it in the folksy way. Right. Don't pay no mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, adds a spiritual weight that you don't. Right. Actually have. But but
0: it, it isn't even a spiritual weight is the thing because like is that really spirituality or is that the the heaping upon the pile of signifier and association that we consider spirituality. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, th- yeah. That has now come to stand in place of spirituality. Right. You know, and like, that's what Mumford and Son... I'll, hold on hey, hope I'll, hope and I'll let Marcus speak himself. I won't let you choke the noose
2: your neck and down. And pain oh my and I will
0: okay, so again, I, I'll go to another. Like this is called the cave, right? And you could find also a slew of sort of interpretations of this song and and responses to this song. Some of which I found on LinkedIn. You know, <laughs> um, that that you know bring up the allegory of the cave. You know, that that the play Plato's allegory of the cave, of right. course, which. What, that, that is another, like, master class in Christian evangelicals, like, yeah. re- retro retroactively interpreting something that came before their religion even existed right. to justify their mm-hmm. belief. You know, this idea that you'll, you live in a, sh- a cave of shadows, right. and then when you emerge to see the truth— it's this burden that you carry with you, and you you then have to go on and educate other people, which of course is the burden of of the revelation of of God and of yeah Christianity, et cetera. Um, but the incoherence of responses to to this type of song, mm-hmm. like you could you could find a bajillion interpretations of this. Yeah, and the the dumb guy reaction is like, that's how you know it's good art you know everybody can make their own meaning out of it everybody can it's like to me to me i i my reaction is like no that's that's the sign of that it's bad art right you know it's like that the only reaction you can have to a thing is your own yeah just like projection onto it yeah like your your own like solipsistic interpretation of it it's like how does this relate to that girl that i you know shouldn't you know that i hooked up with two years ago who i who i like feel bad about right now Yeah, you know like like that that <laughs> yeah. is mumford that is what mumford and sons is <laughs> yeah. like it's like dude it's like dude spirituality yeah it, <laughs> it, it like embodied yeah you know um and and that is what we have in place of shared symbolic meaning mm-hmm. you know like well that i i, I mean i won't say that you know definitively like you listen to something like a wilco song like you like you brought up last week five weeks ago um (laughs) like especially from yankee hotel foxtrot like those lyrics are they're poetic they're evocative but they're not like they don't make literal sense but they don't um they don't, like, just give you license to make whatever the fuck up you want about them. Yeah. Like, they stand as little sort of, like, cones in themselves, mm-hmm. you know, or, like, little, you know, slivers of poetic expression. Whereas nothing, I went back and read through all this, like, Mumford and Sons, it doesn't do any of that. Yeah. You know, it's it's, from a lyrical standpoint, it's, like, algorithmically constructed yeah to allow really in anybody right to to like ha- have a sort of ma- masturbatory experience
1: <laughs> yeah. listening to yeah you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's sort of like um uh the matrix and yeah, matrix and faith yeah like mm. i think it was pretty openly admitted by the Wachowski sisters that they, they just like tacked on a bunch of bullshit, like calling uh-huh. a character the Trinity and right calling this place Zion or whatever, so that youth groups would like do Bible right. studies about yeah. it. Totally, and and
0: that's the other thing about this is like Mumford, lead singer, like credit credit to him as a on as a businessman, yeah, who like who's like no, I I don't associate with the Christianity. It's like you okay like you could not have picked more yeah you know like you you're you're i'm losing my train of thought here but no i know it's like like, it's like a couple years come on dude you know
1: a couple like maybe two years ago i heard something a mumford song for the first time in a long time and i was like this is so christian it's so christian and then and
0: then so just for him to then say no it's not christian it's not faith-based at all yeah it's like that's just a marketing strategy
1: yeah i mean it's just a way to get uh christian contemporary contemporary music on the top 40 like right and 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 it's there it is there And you know what lecrae did the same thing he sold out his faith you know just to be a regular old rapper did he (laughs) I'm just kidding. <laughs> Something I may, might have heard someone else say.
0: Cred to Lecrae
1: for. There was for a moment though when he was like guy. actually, you know, making like top a couple top yeah. forty songs. Right, but they're and still then, Christian. I know, but then people, whatever. I don't care about this, but right. <laughs> people inside were saying, "Well, he's toning down his, the Christian content in order to." Blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah, I just stuck my fingers in my throat. Oh, um, he's gagging. Paul's gagging <laughs> right now.
0: I mean, look no further than like a kanye Kanye West's most recent album.
1: did you listen to it? Uh, I did
0: It's it? fucking stupid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I saw a meme, which is the worst way to start a sentence of <laughs> Jama dancing to, uh, <laughs> to, Donda. to Donda. yeah <laughs>
0: yeah no I mean it's actually like musically it's it's like most a lot of the stuff that he's done, and then it's interesting and like provocative in certain ways and um but he's still just trading on this this idea that it's somehow provocative provocative for him to be spiritual yeah and like he's like you're a conservative christian at the, you're an evangelical at this point yeah it's not interesting it's so anymore.
1: weird how that happens after you get a, a million dollars yeah and then <laughs>
0: it's so boring oh man yeah. sorry anyway um so
1: yeah i i uh, uh. Yep, yep. And people had never heard banjos in 2005.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, so that maybe that's the closer for Mumford here. So, banjo player. Winston Marcellus. It was the banjo player. No, 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 player.
1: not Winston Marcellus. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: Winston, the banjo player.
1: Wherever you are, Winston Marcellus. We love you. We're sorry for accidentally mixing you up in this. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: awesome. <laughs> um, Winston, the banjo player, I think it, I saw a tweet. It's like, I mean, this is in my research. This is like June 2021, very recently. He left the band. He has officially left Mumford & Sons because of the controversy that he created for, for tweeting a, a praise for an alt-right <laughs> provoca- provocative author, a sort of Milo Yiannopoulos type. Do you know you who know. it is? Uh his name is I just looked this up. Um shite uh Andy something. Uh wait, I've got it. Andy Nago N G-O. Andy No, you know. Um never never heard of him. But the book is is called Unmasked Inside Antifa's uh <laughs> Radical plan to destroy America. <laughs> um,
1: so why does he care about America? I don't, isn't he British? I mean,
0: yeah, does that surprise you? Uh, um, you know, so, so he, uh, left Mumford and Sons because he wants to be able to speak freely without harming the reputation of the band and, you know. I don't want to get too into the weeds here, but like, it does seem kind of like the perfect culmination of like what that band started as and now what it is. Or like, just the ultimate sort of like indulgent reactionary. Yeah. Like, musical expression of like
1: self absorption and traditional. Right. Well, that's what you—that's what you had said before—is like what they kind of came to represent is just like trad, trad, trad lifestyle, right? Just like trad
0: vibes with <laughs> yeah, big swelling melodies.
1: Yeah, you never saw them live, did you? No, I've seen them three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. But I, I did lo- love them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean. I don't know. You could you could say a lot about why it, why it hit, um, and why, yeah, a little bit of spiritual content, even though it's pseudo, is exactly what people were wanting at the time, mm-hmm. uh, and still do. Like that cycle, just persists. Um, of like, yeah, some these cycles of sort of like just sort of cynical decadence and then someone coming in as a wholesome it's sort of the ted lasso of of <laughs> music sure i still haven't watched it um yeah i don't know anything else sad about that
0: not really no i mean i i feel like for for as awesome as it was to dwell in the caves for the first half of the episode I feel like we're in a I hope I haven't left a sour taste in the in the listener's mouth here talking about Mumford and Sons um
1: I don't know I just feel like I need freedom now and I need <laughs> and to I know how live my life as it's meant to be
0: uh-huh you'll understand uh dependence when you know the maker's hand come on <laughs> <laughs> That's just
1: a problem of <laughs> it not properly make category, categorizing things. Uh-huh. These guys in the Christian charts. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah.
0: They're they're they were too like musically innovative to just That's true. be there though.
1: That's true. In those days people were still listening to uh what what would have been the previous era? The guys who sang like Creed But for Christians. Um casting crowns. Yeah, casting crowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, they, they had I mean more much, steam than that. I think I think if you went into a church now, they're still riding the Mumford wave. Like that's yeah. that's what I mean, no one's gonna be able to find a ba- uh, a banjo player in your average suburban right evangelical church, but that's pretty much what they're going for, I think. Right. It was like u two mm-hmm. they're kind of u two y. Well, here's the thing. I like I, I don't
0: actually like that compare people have compared them mm-hmm. i i give more credit to you too than i do to mumford so that's true yeah sure you know they, they innovated consistently throughout their yeah throughout their tenure um and well i don't know they're both they're both well mumford sons is
1: english you two's irish that is a key difference isn't it yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah um <clears throat> yeah i guess to to try and tie it back together i think because yeah i mean the driscoll or mumford i think is part of the the like enigma here of living in a fractured world where um and in a modern world importantly where like shared narratives and shared symbols like can't exist in the same way that Mm -hmm. they used to right and those are the reactionary forces trying to say yes we can Mm -hmm. we'll just pretend we'll pretend we'll just pretend like there's there's no one else right and it'll be very fun we'll have a great time for everyone who's inside the inside the tent until it all falls apart Mm -hmm. and our and our third album sucks and or our pastor has a uh some sort of sexual (laughs) impropriety and you know some sort of masturbation accident (laughs) 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 whoops um and yeah i guess i guess we're not gonna answer it on this podcast damn Mm -hmm. i was kind of thinking we would um but of i yeah where do you go now nature back to nature go to nature go get a cold go to the caves Mm -hmm. let's go to the caves any particular ones um the Manitow caves you were close to those
0: yeah i never went though never went i did however see um etruscan art when i was in orvieto the most recent time that i was there Atru- the etruscan etruscans preceded what we now know to be
1: the roman empire he's trying to say tuscans guys
0: <laughs> the Etruscans, so that like they would have lived in Italy five thousand years ago, hmm. you know. Like, and that was cool. That was amazing to see that. And yeah, they had faces. It like, but it was like art and and murals and and uh, what do you call them? Frescoes, sort of. Not not the same as frescoes, but similar, like wall art, basically. Mm-hmm. Of you know depicting the peoples, and it was fascinating because like the faces. Of the people depicted, like really looked a lot like, like contemporary Italians. <laughs> you know, like, I was like, damn, that looks just like that guy who works at the at the coffee shop. Did mm, been breeding, maybe? Mm-hmm. I mean, did that they, like they've lived there for five thousand years? Yeah. Like, did not haven't left? Yeah. And that was like kind of incredible, honestly.
1: Honestly, I'm done with face art. I'm done. They've I'm done with face art. just want to look at mostly penis art and <laughs> wild animal art. <laughs> mostly farm animals. You know what, though? I do remember some of my earliest experiences with art were going around um, in Arizona, like big, yeah. some of those big, huge um, um, festivals. Right? Some of the best Western and wildlife art festivals totally. in the country. Yep. Just like epic, epic sculpture of an eagle right. grabbing a salmon. It's so cool It's cool shit Hits you It hits you at a different level It hits different People aren't that interesting I don't I don't really want to see A picture of a Sad Guy In Brooklyn You know No Sitting in his apartment With his wiener out Right Um, Just going mm, So sad I, I, I haven't seen the painting You're talking about. I'm just talking about <laughs> Picture any sort of Contemporary Like self Realism portrait. Yeah 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 um, just sort of like, uh yeah, just no, on Wii paintings, yeah, on,
0: on Wii painting, you, you yeah. yeah, you see those all over the place. Um, yeah, we'll we'll skip that. Magic campus anti, on Wii. <laughs> just start. We'll, we'll keep keep your on Wii to yourself. Yeah, we're off Wii.
1: <laughs> Pro, Nintendo Wii. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Nintendo. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah, I guess we said all we had to say. We're gonna th- um, probably solve the uh, symbolism riddle of crisis. Yeah, symbolism and spirituality and human evolution. Next up, ep- I'll I'll get yeah, to that. Yeah, next yeah, episode. we'll get to that
0: next next episode. All right. Well, this has been Magic Camp, a journey into the caves. If you're if you're interested in the Chauvet caves, I'm surprised we didn't talk about Warner Werner Herzog or do a Werner Herzog impression. <laughs>
1: A hey we got plenty of time <laughs> go for it
0: <laughs> I, that's actually is all, all i can do <laughs> all right <laughs> um because he has a whole documentary about the chauvet case we should have watched that we should we definitely should have <laughs> <laughs> shit oh well um uh, this has been magic camp any closing
1: thoughts um hmm closing thoughts closing thoughts Nope.
0: All right. We'll see you next time after school. Take it easy. See you. Get vaccinated.
1: (laughs) Do it right now. You have to. See you later. See you.